Hello and happy core to you, continuing order of religious education. We greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Truly God is an awesome God. We pray today that your day has been well. We pray today that you are rejoicing in him, Jesus Christ, the author, finisher, and sustainer of your faith. The, tonight we're in First Timothy and I, I I have a lot of respect for Timothy under one of Paul's spiritual sons because Timothy came up through the ranks, learned from Paul uh, about everything. And here in chapter 2 of 1 Timothy, Paul, uh, Timothy uses some um, very interesting language in, in teaching uh, the Word of God to us, using different metaphors, similes, and illustrations, parables, so forth, so on. And he says in chapter 2, verse 1, Thou therefore, my son. And whenever you see the word therefore, you got to ask, what is it therefore? Typically, it is a participle going back to a previous thought. So we're, we're back in chapter 1, verse 18. The Lord grant unto him that he may, listen, uh, find mercy of the Lord to that day and to how uh, many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, knowing very well. Uh, and so Timothy is conveying a thought of continued ministry, continued service. And uh, he's saying, may the Lord grant you mercy. A amen. And he says, thou therefore, based on the heels of this mercy, on the hills of this commission, on the hills of this commandment, thou therefore, my son, he says, be strong in the grace. Now, let me stop, pause, and park because we've had scripture from Ephesians, be strong in the Lord. And that, that preposition in means it's his strength, not ours. Now he's saying, be strong in the grace. Grace is that invisible power from God that we don't deserve. It's love we don't deserve. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Saving grace, suffering grace, sufficient grace, superior grace. All of these graces are in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, be strong in, listen to this, be strong, chapter 2, verse 1, in the grace Sometimes you may have to just pray for more grace. And it's interesting, James talks about humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will give you more grace. Sometimes we just need more grace. We need more love we don't deserve. We need more uh, steadfastness. We need more strength uh, for our suffering. We need uh, more in the area of sufficiency. Amen. We, we need to be more satisfied in Christ. We need to stand still in Christ. He says here, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, whatever you and I need tonight, it's in Jesus. That's the whole conveyance of thought. Whatever we need is in Jesus. We need more grace. We need more mercy. We need more peace. We need more power. We need more satisfaction. We need more sufficiency. We need to stand still. We need to trust. We need whatever we need is already in Jesus. All we're praying is that Jesus would give it to us. Be strong in the grace, Lord have mercy, um, that is in Christ Jesus, 
and the things that thou has heard of me, that's his teaching, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. Now, this is typically not dealt with. When we share the word of God, don't share your uh, pearls before swine, we ought to be sharing to faithful people, people who want the word, people who have a thirst for the word, people who have a hunger for the word, people who want to know what the word means. We committed to faithful men, women, who shall be able to teach others also. So the teaching of the word is a continuous resource that goes out, but it's to the people who God deems to be faithful, committed people, committed people. And, and, and so verse three says, thou therefore, now he starts to choose three definite metaphors, illustrations, thou therefore, don't get this wrong, endure hardness. Now, endure hardness, Paul, you're writing to Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, you think about a soldier, you think about the military, you think about uh, uh, carrying your pat back, carrying your rifle, putting on your helmet, having boots on, taking orders, getting in foxholes, being observant, not going to sleep, not falling away, not running away. Uh, he says, you and I spiritually have to endure. Endure what? Huh. Look what he says. Endure hardness as a good soldier. There's some things in life that's going to be hard presented to us each day. Hard people, hard problems. Hard, hard perplexities endure from the grace. This is all connected. Lord, help me to endure these hard times, these hard situations, these hard mentalities. Endure hardness as a good soldier. A good soldier has to endure hardness. He's on the battlefield. He can't play music on the battlefield. He can't text messages on the battlefield. He can't, amen, throw a party on the battlefield. He's got to be concentrated on the warfare he's in. Endure hardness as a good soldier. And look what it says. I want you to see this. This is profound. And he says, No man that warreth, warfare, entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Soldiers cannot entangle themselves with being civilians. They got to keep being reminded they're a soldier. They got to keep being reminded they're out to fight by faith in this text. They need to keep being reminded they can't get caught up in all these mushy feelings. They are soldiers for Jesus Christ. And he says, not to get entangled, not to get entangled with the affairs of this life. Don't let the menu and the diet of the world infiltrate your faithfulness to Jesus, because it will. 
I don't feel like reading the Bible. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like going to church. I don't, I'm struggling. I don't feel. You let the affairs of this life enter your mind. You will start to back out of things that soldiers are supposed to do. He says, that's the first metaphor. Um, and then he says, no man that warreth and tangles over the things of his life. The second metaphor, and if a man also strive, he's talking about athletics now. If you're running a race, if you're striving to win for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. If I'm in a race, I got to keep the rules. I can't run out of bounds. I got to keep God's principles if I'm going to please him. I got to praise his name at all times. Amen. If God is going to see me as being committed to him. So he moves to the second metaphor of masteries. He moves to the second metaphor of striving. He moves to the second metaphor of athletics. When you play athletics, you got to keep the rules. You got to play within the boundaries of the game. And you got to go all out. The third metaphor, we'll close on this one. And he says, the husbandman, verse six, the farmer that, listen, laboreth must be first partakers of the fruits. If I'm plowing and planting, if I'm growing and watering, and as I see the harvest come and the plants are growing, typically farmers will taste first the fruit to see if it's sweet, it's good, edible, so forth, so on. He uses three different metaphors to say, number one, you're a soldier, you gotta endure hardness. You're an athlete, you got to run within the boundaries. Keep the rules. Mm, run for the mastery of winning. You're a farmer, you got to plow, you got to plant, you got to water, you got to cultivate, and then you should taste your crop. Three metaphors dealing with stick to constant uh, measure of commitment. You're a soldier, fight by faith. You're an athlete, run this race, this agon, with perseverance, looking unto Jesus. You're a farmer, have faith that the crop will grow. And we thank you tonight. Take these three metaphors, take this text, of soldier, athlete, and farmer, and allow it to permeate your being, to give you strength when you feel like throwing a towel at me. And we love you in Jesus' name.